0: Welcome, everyone, to the podcast Unanswered Questions with Pastor Tim Cole. This is a podcast where we talk about tough theological and Christian living questions sent in by people just like you. Our hope is that listening will strengthen your confidence in God's Word, helping you to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. If you have any questions, please send them to Tim at gmail.com. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Unanswered Questions with Pastor Tim Cole. Today the question is, can a Bible story have more than one meaning? It sounds perhaps like a, a loaded question with an obvious, well, yes, of course it is, since that's the topic, why I take all this time to say, well, no, but we want to bring the subject up at the beginning <clears throat> because it. Perhaps will be a surprise to most of our listeners that scripture stories have more than one purpose and are connected to more than one passage either later on or even in prior scripture. Today we'd like to use one scripture from 1 Samuel 25, the story of Abigail who was uh, the wife of Nabal. And how this particular story, written primarily about a woman, has more than one connection and can be viewed at more than one level. But this is typical of a canonical approach to the Bible. Once we begin to understand the concept of how the Bible was written from a canonical standpoint, then stories like Abigail, written in 1 Samuel 25, are now then beginning to be seen, to be connected to other stories and other themes. And uh, it would be helpful, again, to define what we are talking about when we say canonical. Uh, Focusing on the biblical canon, of course, and a canonical approach to the Bible, understands that it's one story, the Bible is one story, and it's seamless, And we can track that storyline through each book of the Bible by looking for certain themes that were given to us in chapters 1, 2, and 3 of Genesis. So really, Genesis 1, 2, and 3 is the fountain or the well from which everything else in Scripture comes. And so a man or a woman who studies Genesis 1 through 3 Understands it especially from the Hebrew Bible, he is he or she is primed to therefore understand the rest of the Bible. Unfortunately, that's not where Bible students begin, but it should be. It is the well from which the rest of the water in Scripture is drawn, and the story of Abigail is an illustration of that to some degree. But for but uh, once again the canonical approach to the Bible allows us to look for road signs on this journey through Old Testament and New Testament. And those road signs are all given to us in some form in Genesis 1, 2, and 3. One particular theme that is raised with Abigail is the theme of women. Obviously, there's a woman in Genesis 1, 2, and 3. She is the mother of all living. That's a clue. She's called the mother of all living. If we go through the rest of the Old Testament and the New, we are going to look for daughters of Eve. We're going to look for women who look like Eve, and we're going to look for women who don't look like her. In fact, they look like a better Eve, a better form, or a better uh, composite of Eve than we were given originally. Like, for example, Sarah the wife of Abraham fails in the same way that Eve failed. Uh, Sarah gave her husband a slave woman in order that Abram would conceive and have a child. And so just as Eve gave something to her husband which she should not have done, Sarah, a daughter of Eve, also failed and gave her husband uh, a woman that uh, that ended up being, of course, the father of a son named Esau. And uh, when we encounter uh, a situation like this where there's more than one wife, we know that it's not going to lead to good things. It's a story that's going to have a bad ending in some way, shape, or form. We know that because the ideal marriage that God presents to us in the scripture is one man and one woman. And Abraham's life and Jacob's life are illustrations of how when we break that pattern, things go bad, things go downhill, things go south. So this is just a brief introduction to how uh, the stories that are given to us in Genesis 1, 2, and 3 then are Uh, Once again, coming to the surface, but in the lives of other people, in the lives of other men or other women. And they use those themes to remind us, hey, this story goes back to Adam. This story goes back to Eve. This story goes back to paradise. This story goes back to Eden. Uh, And so today's story, as we focus on Abigail, in one way reminds us of the story back in Eden. And that's purposeful and we'll show you in a few minutes how that is to be. But let's begin with a connection that perhaps you've never understood. Abigail's story shows her that she is a better Jacob. That sounds odd. Yes, Jacob. Jacob's a man. Abigail is a woman. How can Abigail be a better man than a Jacob? Well, perhaps at the end of the episode, it'll become more clear, but let's talk about the two stories that I have just raised, the story of Jacob and the story of Abigail. Jacob's story, of course, comes from the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 32, Jacob is returning home after an extended exile with Uncle Laban. Uh, He left home to save his life. His mother got involved in a scheme to fool and deceive Jacob's father, Isaac, with clothing in order to steal his brother's blessing and inheritance. And when Esau, his twin brother, found out what Jacob was doing, Jacob fled because Esau wanted to kill him. So he left and for 20 years stayed with his uncle, out in the east. But when he returned, he returned with a large group of people. He returned with more than one wife, a lot of livestock, um, sheep and goats, and made his way back towards the promised land. And he knew that he would have to face Esau. Esau is the one who was angry enough at him to kill him. And so the story in Genesis 32 shows us the preparations that he took to pacify the anger of Esau so that when he returned home, he still would not be in danger of his life. That story and all the preparation that Jacob makes is repeated in the story of Abigail. Sometimes it's word for word. So that the two stories correspond. The two stories are parallel. So we would say that when the story written in 1 Samuel 25 about Abigail, uh, when we read that, we hear echoes of the story of Jacob. Let me suggest some of the corresponding links between the two stories that shows that the author of 1 Samuel deliberately wrote the story of Abigail with Jacob's story in mind. Let's remind ourselves of what happened in 1 Samuel 25. The story begins with David. David um, with his men are being chased by Saul and he uh, is a place, near a place called Carmel and there uh in an area called Carmel was a man named Nabal who was wealthy, had a lot of flocks. And when David came into his territory, David took care of Nabal's sheep and protected them from bandits bandits and thieves. And uh, David needed some food for he and his men, and he sent a message to Nabal saying, I need some food, and this is what I've done for you. I've taken care of your flocks. None of them is missing. So be favorable towards my young men, since we're coming at a festive time. And so David's messengers sent that message, or David sent that message through his messengers to Nabal. When Nabal received it, he responded by saying, Who is this David? Who is this son of Jesse? Um, many servants are breaking away from their masters these days. Why should I take my bread and water and the meat I have slaughtered for my shears and give it to the men from who knows where? When that message got back to David, he said to his men, put on your swords. So David hears the insult given to him by uh, Nabal prepares basically to go down into the valley and kill uh, Nabal and his entire family. So David is about to take revenge. He's angry, and he's going to, as the future king, have innocent blood on his hands. So um, that story brings Abigail into the picture. Abigail, Nabal's wife, hears what's going on and realizes that when David comes down from the mountain with his men that there's going to be a slaughter. And David's going to have innocent blood on his hands when he takes the throne. David, remember, member of the seed of the Messiah. So due to the fact that she is an independent thinker, and she's quick-witted and wise and courageous, Abigail prepares to pacify the anger of David in the same way that Jacob prepared to pacify the anger of his brother Esau. And the points of comparison in the two stories are remarkable. First, we're told that Esau came with 400 men. He was the one whose anger was to be pacified. David also, we are told, came with 400 men. These are the men who accompanied him in his um, in his force and the men who hid with him from King Saul. So we have two men who allegedly are angry. David is angry and Esau is angry at least from prior years. And so Jacob prepares to pacify his brother's anger and Abigail prepares to pacify David's anger in order to reduce or to eliminate slaughter. As I said, 400 men are both mentioned. Then both Abigail and Jacob prepare gifts, and those gifts are called berakah. They are called blessings, and the text goes out of its way to mention the fact that both Abigail and Jacob got gifts together, but those gifts are called blessings, and then the act of presenting the gift is both cited in both stories. Abigail gives the gifts to David, and Jacob gives the gifts to Esau. Also, as a way of pacifying anger, Jacob bows down before his brothers. It's remarkable that Abigail, when she approaches David, gets off her mule, and also kneels down before David. But the correspondences don't uh, end there. Both Abigail and Jacob call their interlocutors, uh, my Lord, many, many times. And in addition, both Abigail and Jacob refer to themselves as your servant. And then when the meeting occurs between Abigail and David and Jacob and Esau, the meeting together is characterized with a Hebrew word called pagosh. So all along, both stories track the same. We have anger that needs to be pacified. There's the link of 400 Beth. There's the preparation of gifts. There's the bowing down. There is the gifts being called a blessing. There is calling the person whose anger needs to be pacified being referred to as Lord, and then the one who is doing the pacifying calls himself a servant. So Abigail's story looks like and sounds like Jacob's story. Why? What could those two stories really have to do with one another, other than the fact that they look like each other? Why would the writer of 1 Samuel take the time to record his his story to sound just like the story of Jacob. Why? What is the purpose of such a canonical understanding of these stories? So these are the questions that we somewhat alluded to at the beginning of the episode. What's the purpose of these two stories? What are we supposed to see? Well, a couple of things come to mind immediately, and that is to show that While Jacob was responsible for his crime against Esau, but God has come in and changed Esau's heart, Abigail is not guilty of anything. She's not guilty of sin. She's not guilty of deception. She's not guilty of deceiving her sister or anybody else in the family. She is simply portrayed as a better Jacob. She's portrayed as a woman who is married to a fool but who does not act like a fool. Her husband, Nabal, in fact, that's kind of what his name means, acted like a fool, insulted the future king. So Abigail, who is married to him, nevertheless does not, um, really does not act like him or become like him. She becomes the savior of the family in spite of this rogue husband And um, as a result of her quick-witted action, her independent thinking, as well as her wisdom and courage, God used a woman to spare the Messiah's seed, the seed of the Messiah David, from killing innocent people and shedding innocent blood. I think we also can see that the hand of God not only was on Jacob, but the hand of God was also on Nabal on Abigail, despite being married to a surly, rebellious, and foolish man. So these two stories, though separated by generations, separated by many years, bear the marks of connection, bear the marks of correspondence. And the writer is trying to tell us that the story of Jacob is in similar the story of Abigail, motivated by God, still under the pattern of God's hand, still in this uh, pattern of looking for a future Messiah to take us back to the promised land, to take us back to Eden. So here are story of a woman, story of a man, who are both pacifying somebody who are angry. They follow the same steps, say the same words, bring similar gifts, and the purpose is to show that Abigail's story is meant to sound like Jacob's story, and that even though she was married to a fool, she does not act like a fool or become like a fool. She is connected to the line of Abraham through Jacob who is in covenant with God. This is one way that the writers of the Bible show us that stories are connected. It's one big seamless stories and the themes that we find earlier are then repeated over and over and over again. So that's one example or one purpose of the Abigail story. To, to be viewed in its connection to the Jacob story, to see that the two stories are related, not only in form and in pattern, but also related in theme. So in our next episode, we'll look at the Abigail story again, but this time we will show that it has a, a different purpose to it. Similar, but not identical. Thanks for listening. Thank you for joining us this episode. And remember to send all your questions to questionsforpastortim at gmail.com.